talk show with Zach and the Professor on 107.9, The Fan. Welcome to Leaving the Yard. Zach and the Professor here on the Fan 1079. We welcome you into the madness. Now, have we got a guest today? Oh, no. It's three for Thursday. I don't bring guests on Thursday. Okay. Anymore. I just want to make sure. I didn't want to have to rush my presentation. No, I, I made was, that mistake I, last week. I was just going to leave it in my pocket if that's no, the case. Oh, no. I made that mistake a week ago. Oh, I, uh, I, I, I was admonished last week. Uh, I didn't admonish It was the look. The look. It was the look of admonishment. Felt very rushed. Mm-hmm. So I just have it ready when when the mood strikes you. Yeah. My uh, my okay. wife gives me that same look, that look of admonishment. <laughs> I'm talking to an uh, insurance person today. They want to know you, your your insurance shouldn't be based. You should be able to do the Cobra plan as long as you don't have any uh, anything that's uh, you know bothersome there in you. Yeah. Anything that may shorten your life. I said. Does marriage count? They just laughed. Telling that joke, man. <laughs> she was in the other room. Uh, well, so I said it said. as loud as I wanted to, yeah, which was as long as she because her hair dryer was on. Yeah, good for you, because <laughs> that will lead to an early demise. I was bold in my statement. Well, that's all right. Every once in a while, you got to step out there and remind them who's running things. That's right. <laughs> and they <Until>. quickly remember <laughs> Until that hair dryer's off, it's uh, me. Uh, it's the Gary rule. Anyway, we we welcome you to our Friday, since we won't be here tomorrow. We're not those people anymore. Nope. There was a time when we had five shows a week in us. That no time, more. <laughs> time has left. We are the Wayne Newton <laughs> yes. uh, of Texarkana. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne working at all? He's not doing five a day okay, or five a week anymore. All right. Well, you know, I always think of Carson. Carson got to where he Carson. was only four was all he could do. He got to that point where he just couldn't do Mondays. Well, we don't do Fridays. I'm waiting to, when we get down to three. No Monday, <laughs> no Friday. We're just middle of the weekers. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's when you know. Weakers are kind of, instead of weakers, we're weakers. weakers. Midweekers. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Eh, whatever. Anyway, a couple of weeks away from the uh, first of the football games. Well, we got football tonight. I'm talking about high school football, real well, football. Ellie's going down to Tatum tonight. Yeah, we got scrimmagey stuff. Scrimmage doesn't really count. Well, it's, it's pretty telling. It's not. From a scrimmage. You can learn things. If you're a football official, you learn that yeah. you're getting ready to go home for free they're gonna ask you to run 20 more plays yes yeah you don't mind do you well yeah coach gotta do it it's 100 out coach yeah, 100 i'm the one out. running up and down the field yeah. here but anyway uh good luck to everybody Did you like those, uh, those scrimmage games back in the officiating days of your youth i really didn't mind it because it was good for learning yes sir. a lot of times you got to when you first start out you would uh work with someone standing behind you and uh, if you were working the wing, you'd have a real wing official. I'll never forget uh, one of the first plays I ever got in on a scrimmage. Uh, I'm working the wing, and I 
have this flag come down beside me. And I'm like, well, I didn't throw that flag. <laughs> the coaches have their own flag. No, no, the, uh, the other uh, official, the, the experienced official who was standing behind me, right? I, the the receiver was covered up, and I didn't pick up on that. And that's not something that's, well, that's called why you learn. That's, that's how you, how do you this. learn. That's how you learn. You'd rather learn it in the scrimmage yeah, than so, in week uh, 10 when you miss that call. So, yeah. <laughs> and some coach didn't make the playoffs because but of it. Way, uh, yeah, no, it's it's good to learn. and it, You get your timing back. Timing, As an official, yeah. Timing's a big part. I, one year I moved from predominantly a wing official to an umpire position. and uh, Promotion? Is that a big promotion? No, it was uh, – I got picked up by a varsity crew that needed an umpire. That's what they needed. And uh, I was really underqualified for the job by about 100 pounds. <laughs> so it's not like they'd watched you and gone, you know what, we need a drummer for the band. Actually, can drum. I, I have told this story before. Uh, Bobby Abels, uh, who's been a friend of this presentation and to people all over this community for years, I had worked a, uh, a Texas High JV – a scrimmage with Bobby and another gentleman, and we three-man crewed a, a JV. It was Texas Jeez. High and John Tyler, and we three-man crewed a, a JV game, and the other gentleman uh, was not really very mobile, nor very good <laughs> as an official. It was his first and only year as an official. So you were two-manning this thing, really? Basically. Wow. And of course, with Bobby Abels, who it was just... He didn't really need you. <laughs> He could have handled the whole thing on his own. But, uh, but uh, Bobby and I kind of talked about to adjust some mechanics. That. Now, we had three-man mechanics back then. It was not unusual to uh, – in fact, I had come from the Lufkin chapter my first year where we did three-man Thursday nights. We just had somebody not show up that night, and so we had to go to a three-man mechanics, and I was used to it. And uh, we put the – the older gentleman who wasn't his best uh, vocation, I'm sure he did other things well in life, uh, in the rocking chair is what they call the umpire position. And we let him sit in the rocking chair all night, and Bobby and I took care of the ball game. So your life has come full circle. From three-man Thursday to three-for Thursday. (laughs) It basically is your whole life. Hey, when I first started officiating, three-man Thursday was a deal. But now... You got to remember, a lot of those were Navy games at the five A level. They were, you know, I remember being in places like Elkhart, Texas, Ooh. and doing seventh and eighth grade and things like that. And you that. want to remember that? You can remember those. You well, took those out. I remember Elkhart because uh, I lost my uh, uh, my Lufkin High little thing you hang on the rearview mirror that says you can park in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah, your your parking permit. Yeah. yeah, my yeah. Park- the windows off. In Elkhart. <laughs> I had to go into the, the uh, school secretary the next day and say, I lost that. She goes, where is that? I said, it's in Elkhart. <laughs> so when some I strange, back and look for it. I couldn't find it. it so when some strange car shows up in the parking lot yeah, with, with an Elkhart, what are they, Elks? Are they no, the Elks? No, I had the Lufkin Panther one. I know, but what are what's Elkhart? The Elks, the Elks yeah, yeah. So they got an Elks, you know, thing on their truck. They probably got your uh, your parking pass. Yeah, no, no. Mine was a Lufkin parking pass. I was in. I get uh, it. I'm. If an Elkhart car shows up in the Lufkin oh, okay. parking yes. lot with your pass on it, we know yeah. that's where that your pass mine. went. 
I'm, I'm sure the story is not that hard to follow. I think you were confused there. But. I was not confused. <laughs> I'm right on it. All right. It is three for Thursday. We're getting to it. We're getting close to picks of righteousness, by the way. I know. Just another week or two, we'll have some picks of righteousness. We get to kill three for Thursday and bring back yeah, picks of righteousness. I think people are in favor of killing three for Thursday. Well, when it gets its own theme song. Yeah. Like uh, picks of righteousness, then you By know. By the way, uh, Oxford's watching today. Shout Oxford. out to Oxford there. They're getting rain up in northwest Arkansas a lot. I got a kid up there, and they're getting rain constantly. I know. I Here so. we get nothing. No. Well, we had a little rain this week. We nothing. should be grateful. We're going to have 10 days more of the dome, the heat dome sitting on top of us. No rain. <laughs> I'm not touching the heat dome. The heat dome. <laughs> it's no Maui, but it's a heat dome nonetheless. <laughs> Make Maui jokes. Uh, I'm not making a joke. I'm I, just saying. It came down the pack or pipe. Uh, Pike pipe. Yeah, it came down just pickle in the last few hours. Really? Yeah. This is like timely. Oh, timely. This, is a, this is a timely one. Oh, see, I got pressure on. I don't think Oxford will care for this one. Uh oh. If you had the eyes of Texas. Uh oh. Queued up. Uh, I don't Con- have a queued up. Colin Simmons. Okay. You know this guy, right? No. You, saw, you didn't see this this afternoon? No, I have, I've been, my wife and I were at the doctor's office. Oh, all I'm afternoon. sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah, she got you straightened out? Now. No, no. They, they couldn't <laughs> fix me. <laughs> really? I bet they, they could not fix this. I bet they could have. This stallion can't be fixed. I don't think it would take that much of a scalpel. <laughs> uh, Colin Simmons uh, committed this afternoon the University of Texas. Now, this is a, a huge deal. The number seven recruit in the class of 2024. Position? A speed rusher. Defensive end. Yeah. These are hard to come by. I don't He's know. He's a if money he, guy. He, he chose Texas over LSU. He's a Duncanville High School guy. Okay. He'd come down to... So you're keeping him at home. That's what you should Texas, be doing. Texas, Miami, and LSU. How's Miami keep getting this conversation for these very high recruits? Well, you get paid and you get spent three years in S- South Florida. Yeah, but are you gonna you gonna play in a significant football game in three years? Probably not. That's what I'm saying. You're going to Austin, so what's years. the difference? Uh, all right, yeah. you say that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this this is a big time. This is Texas has lacked at this particular position. Well, really, all the def- defensive line positions since the Natty. When's the last great pass rusher come out of? UT. Who is it? Okay. So I'm asking you. <laughs> well, um, You're- Jackson Jeffcoat was a pretty good okay. defensive end. All right. Pass rusher. Uh, the kid that played at uh, um, Minnesota forever, Brian Robinson, was an outstanding okay. defensive end. Pretty significant pass rusher. Right. That's not a bad one. Um, Overshawn had one good year. Yeah. One good year. One good year. Unfortunately, nothing. Yeah, well, he's just got there, so yeah. we'll see. But uh, you think he'll be anything in the NFL? Probably not. That's unless, what I'm he, unless he becomes a good outside linebacker. Okay, because he can hit, and if he's smart enough, he can do that. But no, this is a position they have not done well at, um, which is surprising to me. Yes, you you would figure there's pretty good. I mean, are there not good? Ends in Texas they are they're are they not good pass rushing ends. Yes, how are they not ending up in Austin? Well, but even at the national level, if you look, you know these guys, as we've talked about, kind of burn up quick in the NFL. Yeah. It's it's about having that first step. It's about having that explosion. 
Uh, Robinson was unique in the fact that he could rush a passer, but also was a good uh, run defender. Right. And so he lasted a dozen years in the NFL. But most of these guys really don't anymore. Most of these speed rushers come and go pretty quickly. You know, you're mentioning this. I'm, I'm, it's going to come back around later on the show, I have a feeling, if we talk about Johnny Manziel any. Um, I watched a, a, a Merrill Hodge piece today that was him kind of breaking down the two or three guys that were potentially number one draft choices the year that Manziel and that Jadavian Clowney came out. And Clowney was college-wise one of the hot, most highly touted defensive linemen in the last yeah. however long, 15 years. Certainly. I mean, he was high well, expectations. You listen to Merrill Hodge, and, and it does not surprise in the least why Jadavian Clowney had a – he didn't have a bad career a couple times in the pro I don't Bowl. think he lived up to the first no, draft. No. He wasn't a pedestrian, but he wasn't the value of the number no, one he pick. wasn't. But Hodge breaking it down – just makes you go, oh, how did no team have on their board just how poorly his his technique was and that that's not going to translate to success in the NFL. And, and Hodge made the point of we also saw the tackle in the what, Holiday Bowl against yeah. Michigan where he blew up. He said he wasn't blocked. The runner was coming into that hole. It became the most dramatic yeah. singular hit we've seen ever. He's a big guy. He's athletic. He has no technique. His footwork's terrible. His hips are terrible. He's too high in the shoulders. He said and he's, he's given a clinic, basically, saying, if you're going to be an NFL defensive lineman, leverage and pad height is yes. everything, and you have to get down. Well, and you clip against Florida where he's right standing up straight at the line. He gets blown back seven, eight yards. And I'm just going – and. You think in the NFL this isn't going to happen? Yeah. You now, you may be able to train him, but his technique's terrible. He said, I wouldn't take him. And who does he say? He said, I'd take Khalil Mack. I think Khalil Mack's going to have a better career than Clowney. People go, no. Well, and Mack, you know, was an explosion guy as well. And he depended on a fast first step and things. But his technique was I agree. amazing. Yeah. And his work ethic yes. was amazing. And Clowney's was not. Mac was kind of a tweener. He's a, he's almost yeah, like yeah. an Aaron Donald. Yeah, type. no question, no yeah. question. All right, is that uh, are we still Colin Simmons in? Or are we done with Colin? Colin Simmons is done. You want to take a break? Yeah, it's, it's next right game? at fifteen after. So we'll take break uh, number one here. Three for Thursday returns after this. I got two more. Really? No bonus. Mo. No bonus today. No bonus today. What? We get a bonus. Astros lost today. That is a bonus. Orioles took care of business. Finally. Which, one of my three or four. Take a break. 15 after 5, leaving the yard. Zach and the professor on the fan. Okay, 15, excuse me, 18 after 5. Leaving the yard, Zach and the Professor here on the fan. 1079. Three for Thursday. One in the book, Colin Simmons. Right. Now, teenagers get a lot of summer jobs, right? That's kind of the norm. You get your Not summer mine. job. Mine uh, didn't. Yours? Now, what was your first job? My first job yeah. working at a country club. Summer? Yeah. Hired in for the summer? Yeah. I had to do uh I had to do uh grounds crew. 
and then uh, they decided to, I was I was so uh, dependable on grounds crew that I could go inside, and I got to work uh, maintenance and all for uh, for part custodial maintenance for parties. Like, oh, cool. there's, a, there's a party, you get to clean that crap up the next all morning. Right. Yeah, so, summer uh, job. So a little Bill Murray there. There was no Bill Murray, although it was. <laughs> I've said it before on this show. You've never been on a golf course at night, and I'm not talking about seven o'clock. I'm talking about like eleven o'clock at night. It's a weird place. There's weird stuff on a golf course at night. All right. I'm just saying. People out there not putting. I'm just saying. There's <laughs> weird stuff. Stuff you can't explain. Okay. Oh, I think you can explain. You it. can't explain it. It's unexplainable. That's a million. All right. Um, <laughs> my first job was work. I've said before I was car hop at the Sonic at age 13. Well, this story. Did you work the skates? No, 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 no. What? I came right after the skate age. Oh, that was the first man. after the skate age. Okay. In fact, that was one of the reasons I was able to hire in. I couldn't skate couldn't with the skate. Day. No, bad ankles. Uh, um, this comes from our, our good friend, uh, Jordan Angel. Did you read this this week? He sent us this. Well, I don't know what it is. Davian Kimbrough. Oh, you're talking about the kid. The kid. Davian the kid Kimbrough. I like that. Why do you like it? Well, because he's 13 and he's uh, signed a professional soccer contract. Ridiculous. He could be in action Saturday night against the Birmingham Legion. Ridiculous. He's signed with the uh, Sacramento Republic. Now, this is USL. This is not MLS. Uh, this is the second tier okay. of American soccer. Is this down to a single A yet? No, it's double A. It's still yeah. double A. I mean, MLS is triple A. <laughs> All right. This is double A. But anyway, this is second tier. How, how old are the guys playing in the uh, whatever this is? US, USL. Adults. These are mostly post-college guys. And you're going to put a 13-year-old out there with him. Yes. And he's, you think he's going to physically be able to deal with grown men, even at the double-A level, or is he going to be Wayne Gretzky and you're telling me he's just going to wow these guys with his awesome speed and moves? I think you just uh, hit the nail on the head. That that's what they're going for with this kid. He's, he's, so, he's so special. Really? He's, What's his name again? Davian Kimbrough. All right. He's uh, he signed with Sacramento. All he right. said he could be in action as early as this weekend against Birmingham. Jeez. Except he now, has uh, bedtime and he, he won't be able to play. He's the can, believed to be the youngest professional athlete in North America. <sighs> okay. Which is saying something because I think they got sweatshops down there in Mexico. <laughs> well, are they professional athletes though? <laughs> maybe, maybe if you play soccer down there, this kid is actually. Uh, half American, half uh, Mexican citizen. Okay, I'm uh, gonna I'm gonna question that. I bet there's some Dominican baseball players that were playing before 13 professionally. Is that North America or is that the Caribbean? I think I just said North America. It should be part of North I America. Think, is it not in the <laughs> North American air? You know, airspace. No. Yes, <laughs> it's in the Caribbean. I think it's, it's part of North America. There's five continents. It's one of those. It's hanging off the edge of North America. Wow. Spin doctor. I'm taking my Sharpie and I'm including Alabama on this hurricane. I'm including the Caribbean in North America. David Kimbrough, your second of three for Thursday. Keep an eye out for it. 
Would you bet on him? He could become the Michelle Williams. <laughs> <laughs> is he a guy you bet on? Is this a, is this a buy sell? Is he? Do we know anything about this guy where we say this guy is a good long term investment? I don't know. I haven't watched the kid play. Is he uh, Pulisic or whatever his name is? Pulisic. No. Pulisic. Pulisic. Well, we don't know. Pulisic's much older. He's a half. Well, but well, yeah. Now I'm saying when he was a kid, we looked at. Well, this guy is phenomenal he's going to be the future i think it's important to understand though that this this could become a deal i don't like this deal you don't like 13 year olds no i don't like them being signed to professional they kind of have their own deal with a a charter high school this team does okay he's going to still be attending high school during the day some but he's going to be playing for uh this professional team. I don't like it. I don't right. like it. So noted. 16 minimum. We should not have 13-year-olds out there. You can factory working something about 14. I don't care. I don't like that either. I'm not a with that. Then by golly, this kid ought to be able to keep ball. 16. Football. At 13, you are still a child. You've barely reached teen. I, you physically, I didn't know you were going to get so excited about this. I, well, I don't like this. I, I don't like it. I, I think they're, I think we're putting a kid and kids in the future at risk doing this. And I'm not a fan. Uh, you put a kid out in the dark before the sun comes up on a bicycle throwing newspapers. That wasn't riskier. Back then? Back in the day? Uh, nah, yeah. you're safe as a, a kid. Of course, in the that was something that should have been outlawed. <laughs> that, I was 15, 16, something yeah, like that. Yeah, that should have never been allowed. There you go. My parents should have been institutionalized <laughs> for that. For allowing me to do that, never have happened. You should have probably needed to be institutionalized. There's stuff golf course you don't want to talk about. I'm saying. I'm out in the saying. <laughs> I don't even want to. You're giving me nightmares going back thinking all about right, it. All right. It's going to take a while, but we got, uh, you know what? I got the magic of uh, uh, push the clock, right? of moving the clock. Uh, and I'm going to try to do this name justice. It's a, it's a little different name. A little a little different name. His first name is Sig, S I G. Okay. His second name is M E J D A L. M E J D A L. Sigdal. Mejdal. Sigmajdal. You sure? I don't know. I'm telling you, I'm trying to do it justice. Mjadal. Mjadal. Probably. Mjadal sounds Things better. are going bad. I'm going to Mjadal. Mjadal. Sig Mjadal. Yeah. This guy is the assistant general manager of the Baltimore Oreos. Okay. From his work? No. All right. He's the assistant GM. Assistant GM. He was brought over. Uh, along with Mike Elias uh, from Houston. Okay. They came from Houston. Houston, everybody knows their success. They turned the worst team in baseball into the best team in baseball probably the last three or four years. They trusted the process. This guy was a huge part of all that. All right. He uh, is from a California – he's a California guy. Went to UC Davis. Well, with that name, there's no doubt he's a California guy. Yeah. He got his, he got his bachelor's in mechanical mechanical and aeronautic engineering. It's easy for you to say. 
mechanical and aeronautical engineering. Oh, my God. He got his master's at San Jose State from uh, in operations research in cognitive, cognitive psychology. These are big words. I'm struggling here. Cognitive Obviously. You can't read your own writing. Psychology. That's the problem. He did play Little League. Oh, <laughs> so this is basically the guy in uh, Moneyball. Hill. Yeah, he's the Jonah Hill character. He's the Jonah Hill character. Non-baseball guy, but he's a math geek. All, All right. right. During his career, uh, he's worked as a blackjack dealer really? in Tahoe. I wonder if Phil Mickelson knows him. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> he uh, was in charge of satellite operations for Lockheed Martin. Holy cow. In 2003, he decided, uh, after seeing Moneyball... There it is. ...that he needed to be in baseball. See, there it is. He went to the 2003 winter meetings and was shut out. No one wanted to have anything to do with it. He actually went to the meetings and, like, passed around his card? I'm SIG? But he hooked with a guy um, who uh, he engineered success in uh, a fantasy baseball league... Okay. With a journalist who ended up writing a book about his Okay, I'm seeing where this is going now. While he couldn't get a job in MLB, he got hired at NASA. (laughs) Really? Yeah, he he failed to get a job with MLB. He went to work for NASA. So it is rocket science. (laughs) It turns out it is. In 08, the Cardinals... Hearing about how good he was at fantasy baseball. And launching rockets. <laughs> Hired him uh, to help them start their uh, first data metrics ah. uh, deal for the Cardinals. All right. In 12, he went back to Houston to work for the Astros. Okay. And uh, Helped the Astros with the turnaround. Yes. All right. He, uh, he helped them use numbers to make, to retool their minor league system. He's the uh, Bill, what was the guy's name? The guy, first sabermetrics. Yeah. The one that. Yeah, uh, in Boston. Billy uh, talked about in the. Yes. And then Boston hired him. Yes. Yeah. God, what the heck was that guy's well, name? Well, <clears throat> he's now been with Baltimore for a number of years. Okay. And it seems he may know what he's doing. <laughs> well, yeah. I can't believe that it won't be long before this is calling again. <laughs> Before this guy is going to be an MLB general manager, which means media people all over the country are going to stumble with his name. Yeah, but you know, he would Jonah Hill's character. Yeah, would that guy have been a good GM? Probably not the way. See, that's why I'm thinking. I don't know if Sig's got GM in him, assistant GM, where you're not having to make the personal moves with the players but are making the data-based moves on recommending guys that the organization ought to look at feels like that's a good spot. You're in your spot. You're in your sweet spot right there. It may be interesting to see should Baltimore this year or next year. Bill James, by the way. This year or next year, should Baltimore have success in the postseason? I think if they have success in the postseason... Then someone's going to go, hmm, was it Bill or was it Sig? And so uh, at some point, you know, the 
someone like the Yankees may come calling with a similar position with a bigger check. See, I don't think they would. I don't, and I know the Red Sox went and tried to hire Billy for the early years. Ultimately, got him away from Oakland. <clears throat> but I don't know that the Yankees' operation is anything like. And, and it's, you know, we're, we're Your operations t- typically just outspend everybody, <laughs> right? And, and and I think we look at the Orioles in the last few years of their lack of success as the have-nots. Is that fair? I mean, it felt like Baltimore had money to spend in days gone by. I don't think Angelos wanted to put any money into the But they're not franchise. Kansas City. No. And, and, and so I think... Well, they've got yeah. a decent ballpark. A, a pretty... You, you've you been there. Yeah. A pretty still, devoted I'm, fan base. Yeah, they've got a pretty devoted fan base. Yeah. But uh, I think that's hard in Washington uh, moved had in success. The neighborhood. Moved yeah. in and had success. So is the fear here that the Orioles are the A's from Billy's time in Oakland and they can extrapolate this whole thing out for 162 games of sabermetrics and law of numbers and blah, blah, blah. But in a seven-game series, doesn't compute out well. You're going to lose to better talent. Well, as I've said before, and we've talked about it here, Boston and Chicago showed with Theo Epstein, you can apply this and then fix your mistakes with money. Right. You can apply these right. principles and then go out at the trade deadline and if you've got a problem, fix it with money. But do we do we think the New York fan base wants that? I, I almost I, feel like the New York fan base thinks I want guys that smash the ball. Oh, I, I agree, but maybe he would be a better fit in some place like the Mets. Who you got a uh, desperate uh, owner who tried just outspinning everybody. Came to realize that doesn't always work. Why didn't that work in New York? Why did the Mets have such a horrible beginning? And I know they had some injuries. Guys were not necessarily all. But, I mean, they they brought in some some talent over the last couple of years. Yeah. Lindor, in particular, out of yes. Cleveland. Looked like he was just going to be the guy. It took him a minute to get acclimated to New York. And- he brought in big-name pitchers and Scherzer and Verlander. Just those guys were going to be the, the the bell cows of this thing. They've been in big markets. They're old veterans. Really? This shouldn't bother them. Not that it did, but this. Uh, and the Mets was just a train wreck. Yeah. And you spend all the money you can spend, more than anybody ever and has. Be paying for this mistake for the next couple of years with these pitchers you've sold. So now do you come back as an owner? Can can you be? Can can Jerry Jones of baseball be the guy who says, "Yeah, that was a mistake spending all that money. That's not how we're going to do it. We're going to go to this guy that's going to find obscure talent in the numbers that are out there in front of us, well, and we're going to try to get guy, those guys." Sounds in a here. little different from Billy Bean in the fact that he didn't do it with guys. You know, in Moneyball, they they bring in guys that had already been in the big leagues, these yes. grinders. This guy was all about young talent. Yes. Developing young talent and making choices and saying, we're giving up on this guy. We put money into him. He didn't develop. Let's go ahead and take him off the books and bring a guy like this in. And he went out and found young talent, drafted it, developed it, 
and, and kind of molded it. But we're early in this. This is year two of success. Yeah. So I'm going to go back and say it's three-year process so far. Yeah, I think he's been there four years. So they, they flushed out some talent. They've identified some talent. Their, their talent's on the field being successful now. We questioned a minute ago, will they have postseason success? I'm in the position now of saying, okay, and is ownership and management going to do what we know a lot of franchises don't want to do, and you're talking about a cheap owner. Is he going to give success contract number two? But at some point, some team will be desperate, and uh, they'll decide to reach for a SIG. You did that for all that. That's where you went. I thought that was pretty well lit. That's where you went. <laughs> Should have sm- there's your three for Thursday. <laughs> Colin Simmons, number one. The kid, Davion, the number kid. two. Number three, Sig. Yes. Colin, Davion, Sig. Hey. Your three for Thursday. Thanks for being combined the kid and Sig. That's... Thank goodness. <laughs> we'll take a break. It's 24 minutes till 6 o'clock. Leaving the yard. Zach and the professor here on the fan. 1079. back we got 21 minutes till six o'clock leaving the yard zach and the professor here on the fan 1079 don't forget uh kirk and company tomorrow the friday version should uh have razorback billy back in here tomorrow looking forward we'll talk, talk about corralling the stallion getting him back in. yeah here. that's probably a good term for him these days yeah, yeah you think so huh? the stallion. stallion i don't know if you want to be called the stallion after what's her name got shot no probably not <laughs> never mind yeah. How about another no-hitter in baseball yesterday? Tell you what, what a good story. Uh, you know, the guy came over, second start there. First one at home. First one at Philly. And then really interesting when a manager in today's modern game, and you're in a pennant chase. You didn't go get this guy because you don't think you're in the hunt. And you you brought him over here now in his second performance, and he gave you a good first outing. Sure. Talking about uh, Michael Lorenzen from Philadelphia. Yeah. No, no, yesterday against Washington. But this guy never gone more than about a what ninety five hundred pitchers. No, yeah, he was his his limit was certainly under yeah, hundred. He's not one of these guys that goes out and and completes a ball game for nope. you. He never has been. Nope. But he's in his second start for a team who's gone out and got him. They're in the race, and the manager makes a decision. To let him take a shot at yep. it, which I don't know if the GM bought off on that or was calling down to the dugout and saying, what the what? But uh, it was an old school decision, and uh, the decision to send him back out there in the eighth and ninth to let him try to finish it was very unusual in today's MLB. It's easier later in the year, I think, to make that decision. Guys are stretched out all the way that they're going to be. We're into August. If this was, you know, May, I doubt he finishes this game. I, I doubt he's had enough stretch out to be able to 
say I'm going to go 124. If he comes up and has to miss a start or two, yeah. or oh, it's a huge risk. It could cost this manager his job. But now Thompson's decision was ballsy. I, I, I just, I just commend him as an old school baseball guy. I loved it. And I think the Philly fans yes, loved it. They ought to. The players ought to love it. Yeah. But. Like our guy trusts us. Now, we know historically when you get to a certain number of pitches that the next outing usually suffers. Yes. We we we, we know it. It tends to be the rule. If you know the guy's got a next start, I'm probably gonna start somebody else. I don't know. And put him in, in the third inning just to get through the yeah. first cut. Either way, you're right. Philly has gotten themselves back in the pennant race. Dodger Danny was in here a couple weeks ago and said, watch the Phillies. They're coming. I'm I'm on Seattle. He was on Philadelphia. But here's the weird part to me. He threw 124 pitches yesterday. We got high school kids that are capped at 110 in Texas. Throw past 110. They typically throw seven-inning games. They throw seven-inning game, and 110's the limit. Yeah. If we went back 25, 30 years, there would have been no question this guy was finishing sure, off his no-hitter. Sure. 124 is, in all honesty, back when we were all young, wasn't that many. No. It was pretty commonplace. You expected that every outing from those A's teams he had. Yes, at 1980s A's, they led the league with complete games, and almost everybody yeah. was throwing one. All of them, not just one, not once in a while, all of them. But we're sitting here in 2023 going, you know what? Gutsy move by the manager. Man, he's risking the pennant race maybe. We we have changed so dramatically yeah. in the expectation of starting pitchers that a guy that threw 124, we're looking at like he's a unicorn. Oh, my God, the guy threw 120. I mean, I'm impressed in the work, but I'm a little bit depressed in the fact that what used to be – Unquestioning, the guy was going to throw out the sure. no hitter. Now we're like, man, he went out. He went out in the seventh. Tell him you got twenty pitches left. You got twenty pitches. Now he let him go more than that, obviously. Yeah. But he came out in the seventh. This is your limit. We somehow come up to this arbitrary number that it's ninety, it's ninety five, well, it's a hundred. Is you better pitch to contact? No, I get it, but I'm saying we we have in our head yeah. this is the number yeah. and past the number. Yeah. You can't throw anymore. But uh, he trusted his fielders. It was his fielders that got him mm-hmm. out of it, and, which I always think is smart pitching. Trust, even in the age that balls just get cranked now. Could just, you name the guys that have thrown the four no hitters this year? Probably not. No, you couldn't. Yeah. I mean, other than Framber Valdez down in Houston yeah. just recently. I mean, it was a combined no-hitter yeah. for Detroit that got – you can't even name them. They're guys that aren't the studs you expect are throwing yeah. no-hitters, and that's the beauty and the fun of baseball. It's some guy that has it that well, night. you look yesterday, the A's handcuffed the Rangers with five pitchers yesterday. That's right. They got two hits all day. Well, until the, they got two in the ninth. Well, that's true. I forgot they got yeah. the two in the ninth. But, yeah, they, they took a two-hitter into the ninth. Right. But they just handcuffed them all day. Bunch of nobodies. Yep. Kept them off balance. Yep. And let's let's finish that thought. Lorenzen's career record, I think, is like 38 and 36. Yeah. Again. Not the guy. Who knew? 
It's like uh, what Dallas Braden threw one. You go, well, how the heck did this guy get? Yeah. You just never. That's the fun of baseball, though. It's a great. Uh, it's a great story. I, I appreciate the fact he let him finish yes. it out. No, I agree. All right, we're going to hit the last break real quick, and then we're going to turn back around here and get back at it. It's uh, about fifteen minutes till six o'clock. Leaving the yard, Zach and the Professor here on the Fan One Hundred Seven Nine. Weather forecast for the four states. An excessive heat warning is in effect until seven o'clock. Welcome back. 12 minutes till 6 o'clock. Leaving the yard. Zach and the professor on the fan 1079. The, um, I heard you guys uh, talking this morning, you and Chop, about the um, falling apart Pac 12 and the efforts to try to keep some of them in play and maybe going independent with a Stanford, that kind of stuff. The only thing I'm thinking the whole time I'm driving in is, you know, I, I said yesterday, I feel bad for the Washington states of the world of kind of the music stopping and they don't have a seat yet. Is, is and they came out, their, their president came out today, I think it was, and said, we're going to end up cutting stuff. We can't go from $30 million to, if they join the Mountain West, $5 million and keep our athletic program anywhere near where it is right now. People are going to lose their jobs and look around for better-paying jobs because we can't pay them here like we've been able to because of the revenue money coming from TV when we were part of the Pac-12. And I'm listening to you guys this morning, and all that's ringing in my ears is, and maybe it's time to not have those other sports at colleges. That's how I feel about it. Maybe it's time to say... Football pays for itself. Basketball, in some places, pays for itself. But there's enough interest in it. You can reorganize it enough. And the tournament makes enough money that you figure the schools at least break even on basketball. Probably not very many schools break even on baseball, although I think it may be getting a little better for some of them. Arkansas makes money on baseball. When you only have, what is it, 11.7? Scholarships. scholarships yeah you're not overheads a lot less right that's true but here we are starting to look at the other sports and stanford's got a huge athletic program maybe they don't need it anymore now they've got deep pocket yeah, owners that are giving stanford them money can afford whatever but washington state can't no oregon state can't yeah and, and do they really need and, to and and are we at a place where those sports no longer need to be part of college. I think we are. I, I just think you should have what you can afford. And I don't see continuing to raise um, the cost of going to college to pay for it. Because these fees that these students are paying, these student fees, huge chunks of it go to the athletic department. Right. And if you've got Phil Knight and he can write a check and make you have it, that's fine. It's no big deal. But if you're down the road in Corvallis and you don't have that, why are you having it? Just so you can keep up with the Joneses? I think so. Don't you think the average T-shirt fan in the state of Oregon now are Duck fans? 
not the alum of Oregon State. I'm talking about the average T-shirt fan. Probably. They're high-profile. They're sexy. They're whatever you want to call them. The the Ducks have managed to market themselves in a way that the folks at Oregon State just can't. If the folks at SMU want to continue to – the alumni want to continue to have somewhere to show up in the fall – and have football and have, have, have football. Have a thirty-five thousand seat stadium. No problem. That's fine. Title nine says you got to match it with women's athletics, but you don't have to have baseball. You don't have to have track. They stopped track fifteen, twenty right. years ago. It was a good decision. You don't have to have all that. If you want to support football and that's something you want, have it. But all that other stuff, you don't need it. It may be time. It may, it may be time for the other sports, the fringe sports, at the non-Power 5 conferences to wash out. It's part of history. It's what we used to do. Yeah. We don't do that. I used to play tennis at my school. Well, you don't anymore. Our yeah. school doesn't have tennis anymore. Oh, I used to play soccer. Well, you don't anymore. We don't have that program anymore. Now, granted, it stinks. student athlete in high school who's played those sports – and thinks it's a ticket to go to college to be able to continue playing that sport. But the reality may be... Well, Chuck, the reality is half the time some of the sports, you're bringing in international players whose parents are paying full tuition. You're right. Not just full tuition, out-of-state tuition at state schools. You bet. And as we found out back when you know we were going to shut down our borders, 15% of college students are foreign students. Yes. It's their ticket into the country, and their parents are happy to pay for them to play these sports. It's a kind of a backdoor in, as we saw with the celebrity, uh, the rich people getting their kids in. Sports are, has been a backdoor into schools anyway. Right. right. Maybe it's time to take them off the do, board. Do away with them. Yep. Make them club. Make them be actually funded by donors, tickets, whatever, but not underwritten by other sports. You know, and, and you hate to be in that place where you're having that conversation, but what we've done is we've forced the hands of some schools who are, as I said a minute ago, going to be standing there when the music stops playing and they don't have a big TV contract to keep this unlimited funding going. And they've got, you know, we, we live in Texarkana. Texarkana College had to make that decision a dozen or more years ago that we just can't keep funding baseball. Yeah. It had a great program, had a historic program. We were well done, well thought of in the community, made its way to national recognition, had some outstanding players and coaches. Yeah. But when the day came where you got to make the decision, as I look at my budget, and this just does not fit in our budget any longer, and it's really not – Part of the mission of educating kids to get out there and get jobs, how do you keep it? uh, It took a lot of heat when they said that's the end of the Bulldogs, but it was the right move. Yeah, but some schools, if you've got parents who are willing to pay for the kids to play and they want their kids to play college athletic and they're willing to ride checks and play, have it. I have no problem with that, but don't ask the other students to pay for it yeah. that's my problem I just think we're, we're, we're moving toward the time 
I think, sooner than we expected. While NIL money is going to continue to enrich, and maybe for the first time now, enrich students who are involved in those high-profile sports or be a Livy, a Livy Dunn at LSU, who, as you said the other day, is selling sex. The others aren't. And the university just can't keep hanging on. Well, we got to have soccer here. We got to have gymnastics. Anything else in the country right now? We're seeing these. What is now the power four schools? The rich are going to get richer, and this middle group is going to erode. Yep. And that's what's going to happen. But a smaller group may be able to afford it if parents want to pay for their kids to have the experience of playing college athletics. That's what I like about NAI. If a kid wants to play and parents want to pay, there's an opportunity to play. But just don't pass it on to the other kids. As we're having this money talk about colleges after we got off the air, A&M's 12th man plus decided we don't need to, or the 12th man decided we don't need to be involved in the NIL party. That was when they found out they were selling a bill of goods to the contributors. Well, sure. It's not tax deductible. No, it's not. (laughs) It's a great write-off. It's not a write-off. When that information became available, that's when the 12th Man Club decided to get out. You're not donating to build a library. That's different. That's tax deductible. Donating to get the third best cornerback in this year's graduating class probably isn't going to be tax deductible. You would figure a lot of smart people would have thought about that early on and go, you know, I don't think that's actually going to be tax deductible. If you look at how these foundations operate outside the tax laws, I'm sure they thought they'd get away with it. You really did? Yeah, I I think they thought they would. In today's climate. Yes. I don't know. That's pretty irresponsible. But Believe me, if you look at the people in this country who don't pay taxes, it's just another... Why would they think they'd get pinched there? Yeah. Why yeah. did they think they'd get caught on this one? Yeah. So anyway, that, uh, that happened last night, and it's the first of the universities that's actually making this determination publicly that maybe we don't need to be involved in the NIL part, yeah. which... Well, along that was the intent. The university was not going to be involved in the, the NIL. They, the universities got involved. Yes. Because they thought they had this cover. Right. This tax cover. Right. Oh, it's the university foundation. Right. Well, sure. And when they got told, no, you don't have that cover, as you've had for all these other things. Right. You know, parking? Well, okay, that's fine. But now you're paying somebody. Sure. Not tax deductible. Yeah. Either way. We didn't get to uh, the Johnny Manziel thing, but... Well, we talked about it earlier in the week. Uh, we did, but uh, my, my point coming back to we got about 30 seconds. Merrill Hodge, who I re- referenced earlier talking about Jadavion Clowney, in that same tape on his assessment of Clowney, they have the clip of him and the uh, show with Stephen A. and Skip at the time when they were together. And Hodge said, kid's going to be, he said, I want to say a bust, but there's nothing that he does I would score better on a scale of 1 to 10 than a 0 or 1 of these couple of things that he was talking about. Footwork, technique, etc. Skip said, you're wrong. He's going to be a superstar. He's going to be a pro. He's well, a franchise player. See, and I felt like Skip, I'll be honest. I thought he, he could play in the I don't know if he's going to be a superstar, but I thought he would have four or five good years. But the cocaine thing was an unknown variable. Exactly. We're done for today. 
Appreciate you hopping on with us. We're back. Well, I'm back with you guys on Monday. Tony, tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock, for Kirk and Company. Here on The Fan 107.9.